keep your compliments to yourself. Compliment. I don't want them. They're complimentary. Hello and welcome to Requiem for a Tuesday. It is I, your boy, Adam Pacora here with uh, Georgie Richter, the sidekick. Howdy, hey. How's it going? That's going good, man. Having a good day. How about you? You know, can't complain. Cool. Having a good time. Tight. Um, Before we get into the show, usual plugs. Yep. Rate, review, subscribe to this show wherever you're listening and in places you're not listening. You know, you got the apps. Just go on. Just go on there and do it anyway. Okay. Uh, we got music, Multiplex, WolfX, streaming everywhere. Go check that stuff out. Follow me on Instagram, adam.rfat. We got merch, rfat.baycartel.com. Okay. You know what it is. So go do that. Um, I would also like to announce uh, that I pledge... To get eight rub and tugs in solidarity with the victims of the Atlanta shootings. Very, it's very kind. You know, I gotta support the people. Stop Asian hate. That's thoughtful. I like it. It just seems like the right thing to do. Yeah. I gotta support the cause. I can get behind that for sure. I might join you in that. You know, I encourage everybody to. Yeah. They're a lot closer than you think, everybody. Yeah. Wherever you're at. Tip's good. Um <laughs> now. It's in solidarity, you know. Uh couple things. Left out of road sodas. If you didn't listen to road sodas, go listen to road sodas. Two part series. These like deleted scenes or bullet points you didn't get to. Uh, just one thing we didn't get to in the first one because Justice derailed the story. Really? Was when we almost ran out of gas in South Dakota. So what ah, happened yeah. was, <clears throat> we were rolling through South Dakota, ripping through it, no problem. Now we had left where our hotel was with like three quarters tanks of gas. And I myself had made the point, like, we shouldn't leave anywhere for a long stretch without a completely full tank, just in case. Yeah, you always want to make sure you have gas. That's the biggest fear. Yeah, and I was just like, three quarters, that should be fine. And we were just hightailing it. And then there was just like, oh, it's getting pretty low, huh? And it's like, yeah, it is getting pretty low. And then there was just like, no signs anywhere. But then, out of nowhere, it's like 1880 town, but all the signs say closed, closed, closed. I guess there's like some little country town that's only open in the warm seasons. And it looks like the 1880s? Yeah, I guess so. But they had a gas station. Cool. Like you so then, all the signs kept saying closed, closed, closed. And then, there was one that just said gas station X amount of miles, and we got our hopes up, but it was just for the 1880 town one, so it was closed. It's like it was there's a gas station in a six. So then there was one that was like the exact amount of mileage left that we had in the tank. Like we were like at the line and it was like 40 miles or something. You know, it was something crazy. And it was like we definitely only have like one gallon of gas left. And so we happened to roll to the exact exit. The engine is like clanking because we're like we're like below the line and we're going like 90, you know, because we're on the interstate. So it is just like eating gas. You can hear the difference. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it may have been in our heads. Maybe we just turned the music like off. The, and like, like Mickey Mouse kind of broken down car sound. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know to the effect of that. And then, so it is just like, a. it's not even a town. It's not even really a 
It's not even remotely a modern gas station. And it's still pretty early in the morning, and it's like winter still there. It's like 30-something degrees. It's like everything's covered in snow. Yeah, so maybe people are just inside anyway. It's abandoned, though. The gas station just has a sign that says, like, pumps are turned on, like, handwritten. And they were so weird and old, we couldn't get them to work. And you had to, like, do your card a certain way and then do this a certain way. And we almost ran out of gas. But luckily, we ended up getting it to work. There was, like, a stray dog just roaming around. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it wasn't stray. I think it had a collar on. But still, it was just roaming around. And uh, I was like, dude, if we can't get this pump to work, we're going to have to get that dog to lead us to people. Oh, man. Yeah, like a, like a lassie situation. Because that would have been it. Like, we, we would have been able to get back on the highway and go, like, one mile. And then we would have just, like, tanked out. So, But it worked out. So that was great. Everything ended up working out real nice. Um, and then I just didn't mention that we went to Red Rocks because that was nice. Yeah, nice. You know, wish wish there was a event, you know, something going, an event going on there. Yeah, but something to see. Yeah, to see it as a venue, but like incredible, you know, venue in the side of the mountain, brilliant idea. It seems like what even not seeing a show, there got to be the best venue of all time. Yeah, just like come on. Um, and then just uh, exit our exit into Kansas City was. We were exiting onto. It was either exit number four twenty, nice. or we were exiting onto four twenty, and we were like on route sixty nine. Whoa, the intersection yeah. of four twenty and sixty nine. Incredible note. Wow, that's probably where like a lot of UFO so. abductions happen. So yeah, area. that was all I had for that. That that concludes road sodas. Uh, there will be another one coming soon. I booked a spontaneous train trip to New York City, so that's going to be exhausting. I'm sure I'll have a lot to say about that. I bet. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, so that'll be fun. I'm leaving in three weeks from this recording. Whoa. So, Pack your bags, folks. He's going c- on the road. Coming soonish. Look forward to that. Cool. Is it like a big like bed chair? Like what? What's what's your seating? Situation? No, so I mean it's a better it's better than a plane seat by like a lot, but it's not much different than that. Like it's just a much beefier, more comfortable version of a plane seat. Oh, because I imagine like like a murder mystery kind of like you're gonna get your own train. Now, car. see, well, the thing is, I'm assuming with COVID, you're definitely not sitting next to anybody, so I'll definitely have a double to myself, which is huge. M- my guess is I'm pretty sure the seats face each other as well. Like, it's two and two facing each other. So my guess is you might get four to yourself. That whole little pocket. Yeah, and if that's the case, then it should be pretty easy. I could lay across the seats and sleep. I've done that before. I've taken Amtrak to, like, like eight-hour distance is the longest, I think. Not bad. But uh, this is going to be a long one. It's, like, 20 hours. It's going to be pretty brutal. So it's not like a train car, like, with a little slidey door. You're just like kind of sitting in a bunch of rows of seats, right? I'm I'm imagining it wrong. <laughs> no, it's not like a hard day's night. Yeah, how do you? This get, isn't England. How do you? We get don't those? have trains like that here. Oh, wow. this isn't Europe. I know. I want to do like a hotel. Train. Well, they have cars that have rooms in them. Yeah, they're like expensive as shit. That's like four hundred dollars. Just get a plane ticket. Yeah. I Technically, what I did is more expensive than flying as well. I just, uh, you know, I got precious cargo. I got things to do, and uh, you know. What a great rail system that we, you know, made a bunch of people make. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Got to see the sights. Got to use use it all. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm riding the rails across across the plains so or whatever. Third rail. It's powered by electricity. That's not a thing. 
train? No. I'm pretty sure. I don't want to talk about your dumb train thing. Theory. It's not. It's barely even a theory. I teach. I teach train theory. Yeah, let's not. Anyway, so the time has finally come. We're here. We've arrived at the moment. Been teasing it for a while now. It's the Michael Mann episode. Man, oh man. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. The guy's a legend. Truly. You don't know. I know enough. Uh, for the listeners, I told Mr. Richter here to just, you know, maybe watch one, maybe two, if he could. You know, three, however many, you know, possible. He watched zero. I did you learn know, how to flip the spatula. Lack of effort. Um, We watched a little bit of Miami Vice prior really to this. Good. Yeah, of course. That's why I'm doing this. Anyway, Michael Mann, Chicago guy. So near and dear to the heart. Um, I'm going to do this in a little bit of a weird way. Do what? Like you're... Well, we're going to go movie by movie. Okay. Um, But I think I'm just going to list them like this in order, and then I'm just going to go into my ranking, but we'll talk about them per ranking to, like, uh, you know, mystify the reveal so you don't know what's coming. Yeah, like a build-up. Correct. Yeah, but we're not going to go one, two, three. Correct. Nice. Well, we're going to count down from worst to best. But anyway, so here's a list. So things about Michael Mann... Great, just like expressionist camera work, beautiful shots, a lot of crime, a lot of grit, a lot of realism, like frequently has like people like he just like consults with criminals, consults with former police officers, current police officers, you know, sends people on raids and stings, fabricated ones, if not whatever, you know, stunts all about just putting you in a world and, uh. Just really sucking you in, you know, yeah, making it real. Funny. Yeah. Making it very real. It was really real. Yeah. Um, always great music mm-hmm. is a big thing. Score or soundtrack, usually pretty good. Um, just great tone, great visuals. You know, what can I say? Incredible just crime skills across the board. Um, he also, on side notes before we dive in, so was like a producer, creative guy, somewhat writer, involved in ways, Miami Vice, the television series, never watched it, you know, known to me as the most 80s thing in history. Yeah, that's the only thing I know about it as a reference to the 80s in general. R- yes. It's like the quintessential 80s thing. Mm-hmm. So that's all I got. I'm not going to talk. He has some other show, like crime, more crime stuff. I don't know. S- about similar involvement, less impact. Uh, he did a TV movie called The Jericho Mile. It's like a prison sports movie. Has been called the greatest television film ever made. Haven't seen it. I'm sure it's good. You know, how could it not be? I'm pretty sure it's what like launched his career and got Thief made. Um, and also Heat, Yeah, one of his movies, was a made-for-TV movie originally in like the late 80s. And then it was remade as a blockbuster? Yes. Nice. 
So I didn't watch that. I didn't bother. I don't even know if I don't even know if that's like available to watch anywhere. Seems inessential if I can watch Pacino De Niro, you know. Yeah. Um I think that does it for the animal mention. So Thief so the other thing was he's not not like a huge box office success like half the time. Couple bombs in there. Yeah. Almost almost crazy that they kept letting him do it and like the budgets like just kept getting bigger anyway. Now, by all accounts, phenomenal guy, you know, incredible talent. You gotta think his T V success plays into it as well. He's also a very successful producer. You know, he's just he just knows what he's doing. And like the skill is undeniable. I think that's part of the thing with like David Lynch, like his movies like never make any money, but he's just like so fucking good that every fifteen years somebody's like, Yeah, let him go. Yeah, give him a go. Yeah. So I think part of that's in there. Uh, so Thief, 1981, budget, five and a half mil. Mm. That's pretty high. Yeah. Maybe it's three and a half and I wrote that wrong, I feel like. Anyway, either can way. I, can I see it? No, it is five and a half. I oh, wrote okay. it. It's not, it's not blurry. Uh, gross, 11 and a half. So, you know, nothing crazy. Doubled it up at the time. That's a huge thing. But that's not like money even for the for the 80s that's still you know relatively low uh then he did the keep 1983 six million dollar budget it really bombed only made three and a half million dang yeah manhunter 1986 again didn't go very well 15 million dollar budget 8.6 million dollar gross so he's hanging in there but mm. but then here we go six years later the last of the mohicans $40 $40 million budget. $143 million gross. Big hit. Yeah. Uh, I think was a big awards darling as well. Oscar noms and such. Uh, I don't know about for him specifically, but. I like awards darling. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good term. Uh, then we got Heat. Yeah. 1995. Actually, interestingly, 11 months to the day after I was born. Whoa. Yeah. Production $60 million budget, $187 million gross. Now, that was a guarantee out of the park. With that cast, De Niro, Pacino, Kilmer, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. You know, you got people jumping out of their seats. That was it. That movie registered as a lethal weapon. <laughs> For trademark uh, So then we got The Insider. Budget somehow $68 million, which is crazy. Um, Only made 100 uh, d- depends on how much went into advertising. They probably didn't make much off of that, but it probably wasn't a loss at all. It's got to be decent. So, you know, whatever. That also, that was his biggest, like, Oscar movie, I believe. Most nominations, like, in total, and I think that's one of the only ones he's had, like, for director. Nice. Yeah, then we had Ali, you know, $118 million budget, which is massive, and uh, only 87.7. It was a huge bomb. Damn. Yeah, and we'll get into that. Probably deserved to be. Honestly, it wasn't. Not his best. Not his best. That's okay. That's okay. Because uh, follows it up with Collateral No. 4. Yeah. Which is a fucking. Hell of a movie. $65 million budget, 220 in the bank. Yeah. Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx, you can't go wrong. Uh, Then we got Miami Vice in 06, noted for its production troubles. We'll get into that. Uh, And 
insane inflated, possibly larger than this if you include marketing and stuff. Don't know how much this is. $135 million budget wow. for Miami Vice. That's like an expensive movie. Only made 164. Pretty sure it was a big loss. Pretty sure, though, also, huge DVD life. Probably made the studio money in the end, long term. So, good investment. Then we got Public Enemies. Great flick. Mm-hmm. 09, 100 mil, 214, bank. Uh, and now we're back into the negative. His most recent movie, Black Hat, 2015, $70 million budget, only made 19. And uh, probably deservedly so on that one also. We'll get into that. So, just to show the broad spectrum of Michael Mann, you know, he started out indie guy, did some incredible things in that realm, blockbusters, incredible. Can do it all. Yeah, many different genres. So, we're going to break it down. I'm doing rankings, okay? Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Flipping through my notes here. You like, like that? ASMR. How do you say that? ASMR, yeah. Okay. Number 11 in the official Michael Mann rankings. Here we go. Black Hat. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I tried to watch this last night. I technically watched the whole thing. <sighs> I mean, there were moments where I definitely stopped paying attention and it was on me, but there were moments where I was definitely paying attention and still just like, what happened? No. No. Inconsistent in tone, speed. Like choppy kind of? Yeah, the story just isn't really there. Michael Mann likes to do this thing where he just forces a relationship into the movie. I don't know if it's because the studio wants him to because everything he's doing is just so dark and grim and miserable. But they're like, put something in here that somebody can relate to or something. Open the blind or something. Because everything, I mean, his whole thing that he's always trying to do is like, look at this criminal's life. Isn't it nuts? And it's just like all the worst things. Like good things don't really happen to anybody in his movies most of the time. And uh, yeah, I don't know. The relationship in this one was especially awful. But I'm going to say that a bunch of times, honestly, yeah. <laughs> on this on this list. It just doesn't happen, and which is fine. We don't need it. But, yeah, it's, like, about computer hacking, but, like, government stuff. But then there's also, like, all these themes and stuff in it. It's just a lot of things packed in. I don't know. You know, maybe it'll grow on me. Maybe I'll watch it again. Maybe I won't ever watch it again. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're just not ready for it, the art of it. Maybe could just be the worst one. It's not impossible. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as Rotten Tomatoes goes, it probably is the worst one. No, The Keep is probably the worst one. We'll get to that in a second, but not yet, because it's not even next on my list. Oh man, what is? Unfortunately, number ten is Ali. Oh no. Now here's the thing: love Muhammad Ali, and I think that's the problem. It doesn't. So, I think Michael Mann loves Muhammad Ali. And gets Muhammad Ali, but I think that he's not the guy to make the movie about him. Because it's beautifully shot, as nice as could be. Like, the thing with Michael Mann is, like, he's always had incredible shots and, like, beautiful visuals. But, like, whenever his budget went up, like, the production value goes with it every single time. So, like, when he can get his hands on, like, a better camera and better lights and better everything, like, 
it's perfect. Like, the shots in Ali are gorgeous. Now, the weird thing, they recreate a bunch of the fights, which is, like, I don't really get that because, like, you could watch the fights that they're recreating, so it's, like, weird. That's weird to me. You think it would have been better if they used the fights? No, because it's not a documentary. I, I, just, I don't really know any way around it. It's tough. You think maybe just they did too many fights? Maybe just the one would have been fine? No, because it's, it's the most important part. It's just weird. It's just hard. I don't know. Like, Raging Bull, not only do I not think... I don't think that Martin Scorsese actually recreated any fights, but either way, like, you wouldn't be able to watch the fights that are in that movie because they're so in the past. Yeah, no cameras. But no. So it, like, adds something to it. Or, like, if there were cameras, they were so shitty and it was just, like, a wide shot and it's in, like, 110p. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whatever the first <laughs> increment of that was. Right. Um, And then, I don't know. It's just, like, you know, Muhammad Ali was so, like, fiery and energetic and, like, really charismatic and, like, I don't know. Will Smith is like doing an impression of Muhammad Ali. Like I don't know. He his acting in it is really good, but he doesn't capture the charisma, which is weird because he's Will Smith. Very charismatic, yeah. Yeah, but like he like nails like the the way he speaks and like his mannerisms and like honestly nails the way he boxed. I think you know I'm not a big like boxing analyst, so maybe he was terrible. I thought he looked good. Yeah. But he had none of the, like, fire behind any of it. Like, even when he was, like, like when the script was a joke that he was delivering, and, like, even if people responded with a joke, like, with laughter, like, if he was talking to the media. It didn't feel like. Yeah, he delivered it like it was an intense, like, dramatic line, like, every time. And it was supposed to be a little nonchalant joke at a, at a press conference. Yeah, yeah, it just didn't get, like, the little nuances of stuff like that. Yeah, it's hard to do. Yeah, because it also, he had a playful relationship with, like, an ESPN guy. And you didn't see any of that in the movie? No, it is in the movie, but it never comes off as, like, it seems like the other guy's joking, but it seems like Ali's just kind of being a dick. Oh, like, because Will like Smith dry, just doesn't, kinda. yeah, he just doesn't sell it right. Yeah. So it's weird. Yeah, but the Sam, the there's like a montage at the beginning where like Sam Cooke is singing and it's like him training and then it goes into his like big title win and it's like incredible. So like there's a lot of really good moments in it, but it just doesn't, it doesn't live up. It's almost like it's a eulogy. Oh, yeah. Like, it seems like something bad's going to happen. Like, the tone of the movie seems like he's going to get murdered or, like, sick. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like the movie's going to end in a somber way. But the end is, like, his title win against George Foreman. It's, like, the highlight of his career. Yeah, on a high note. Like, the whole movie is supposed to be a big celebration of him, but Michael Mann's tone is just naturally so depressing. Like, it almost seems like he got in his own way. Yeah, because you said good things don't normally happen to the characters in his movie. Yeah, yeah, right. What do so I do with like, all these smiles? When the negative things happen, they're played really well, but like whenever anything good happens, it doesn't even seem good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. It wasn't for me. Maybe that's why the pacing seemed like weird and out of place. When the yeah, it's also a little too long. Of a movie in time, yeah. Yeah. What's the runtime, you know? Like 220. Most of his movies are pretty long. Yeah, but the when the bulk of these are long. 
when they're like like edge of your seat kind of you don't know right exactly like there's there's ones that deserve it and there's ones on the list that deserve it but i mean no i think it just fell flat it was just but again like there's moments and just like the way it's filmed is great and like the boxing scenes are well done like i said it's just weird like i would rather watch the real fight you know because yeah. they do, like, really long sequences, and it's, like, really cool and really impressive, but it's, like, there's actual footage of this, yeah. you know, of the fight happening for real. Maybe, like, a mashup? So, yeah. Maybe like a no, I don't know. There's no there's no way to do it right in the movie, because the whole movie would then have to incorporate other footage, and then it changes completely what it is. That's not right. Yeah. I don't know. It's That's hard. It's, it's hard. It is. Uh, so, number nine is The Keep. This would probably be a lot of people's last one. So this is like a weird horror movie that he made right after his first movie, Thief. Um, It's based on this book. Basically, it's about this weird tomb thing. It's like a religious, some religious, like, churchy thing. And the Nazis are taking over it. Cool. Um, But they, like, let this monster out. And then, like, the monster being let out, like, awakens this other guy, and he has to come, like, try to fight it, basically. And then the monster is also trying to, like, manipulate this other guy into, like, letting him out. Because the thing is, like, he's trapped in this room. And he's trying to manipulate the guy to get him, to let him out, because he, he's telling the guy that it'll be for good. But really, if he gets let out, like, he'll try to, like, kill everybody or something. Oh, um. So yeah, it's like a sci-fi thriller, but you know, it had a super low budget. Like I said, so he did a lot with a small budget. The script wasn't great. He wrote it. He writes most of his movies, or at least co-writes most of them, if not all. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. He didn't do that great with the script, but he also kind of did a lot with not that much because like the visuals are clearly of their time but they don't look as shitty as you would think like the effort was put in and they like tried to do things around them he's always very careful with how everything looks yeah so it doesn't look like you know like old movies with bad cgi how bad they look right and i mean there's it's there's bad cheesy effects in here but i think that they age well given the circumstances Certain effects do that, like a lot of practical effects, if they're done well. Can right. Look yeah, time. they can look better than they ever did in current time. Yeah, because it's like actually evil can evil just wearing those. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Scott Glenn is also, he's like the guy who gets awakened to save everybody. You would know him as Stick from Daredevil because all you know is Marvel stuff. Yep. I know that guy from something else, but yeah, that guy's cool. Yeah, good guy. I like him. Um, I think there might have been some other notable people in it. I don't know. It wasn't great. Uh, scored by Tangerine Dream, as was Thief. Nice. Incredible score. That's really what it is. There's enough like good shots and good visuals. Like I said, he does a lot of just like expressionism stuff. So like, it's a good movie that you could just like watch stoned, like, you know. Yeah, I, I want to watch some out. some cheesy thing, but it'll look cool and it'll sound cool. The plot is pretty dumb and literally, okay, another example. So here's the thing. Like I've mentioned before, I'm not, I'm never the guy who's raising my hand being like, I cannot believe the female representation in this movie. But like Michael Mann has some pretty egregious 
moments where it's just like this isn't even real. Like you get where all the all that shit comes from. Because yeah. like if every movie was like this, which a lot of them are, which is the whole point. Yeah. Um, but I always feel like in movies, it's like oh, female characters aren't as bad as you say. But like you watch a Michael Mann movie, it's like yeah, they're as bad as everybody says. Uh, not this one's character isn't that bad, but literally Scott Glenn shows up, fucks her within like an hour, just and she's like immediately just like in love with him, and he's like, oh, I'm not even a human being. Oh, wow. <laughs> I gotta go kill this dude and I'm gonna die when he dies or he'll kill me but either way I'm dead so like I don't know what you I don't know why you're being all emotional Can you? Kill and it was like um you definitely manipulated this chick like it was like her, her, it was bad the amount of things that were in movies like regardless of quote unquote today's climate yeah how professional it, Unno- like there's no way you wouldn't notice it yeah you know what i mean i just happened to see the movie recently if i saw it eight years ago i'd be like holy shit yeah even then even he just railed her and was like yo why are you acting like this i'm a mythical beast <laughs> cool it yeah he's like i don't know why you what you want a relationship jeez i'm a legend <laughs> he's like i was asleep for 200 years i needed to get one out you'd be a little backed up too <laughs> insane um, but rentable on YouTube for like two ninety nine, so it's like you know, sounds, it was worth it. Sounds good. Now, also my thing with most of these movies, a lot of them are were available on DVD for like less than YouTube rental prices, so I bought a lot of these. So I'm now a big Michael Mann DVD collector. Anyway, nice. number eight, The Insider, didn't really like it. Why is that? <sighs> Well, here's the thing. So this one was the one that has, like, the highest critical acclaim and was the Oscar darling and all this shit. Darling. Don't keep pointing it out. Sorry. <laughs> I just really like it. Yeah, thanks, darling. Hashtag Oscar darling. It's a term already. I didn't coin it. I know that. I'm just telling you I like it. All it's right. Like good one. Like, nice nice kickflip. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Michael Mann. So The Insider, Russell Crowe, Al Pacino, uh, significantly toned down from his appearance in Heat, thankfully. But uh, So it's about a whistleblower in the tobacco industry. That's some dangerous business. And then like a 60 Minutes producer and like his team trying to get the report of the whistle blowing out because then that's that's what actually makes the whistle really get blown, you know, is the media coverage. The guy could anybody can just say some shit, yep, you know, yep. get it out there. Um. So, yeah. My, also, a great thing Michael Mann does is he really just throws you in worlds. Movies will just start. You're just in the middle of some shit right away. Um, And there's not a lot of... There's basically none in almost any minute of his movies just like gratuitous shit or like pure just exposition bullshit where a character walks in a room and somebody's like, what's your name? And he's like, I'm Detective Tony this, I'm this, these are my kids, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's no conversations that tell you any information. I've been burned before. Yeah, you always have to figure out exactly what's going on. Like, there, there's no, like, direct things. Everybody speaks the way they speak already. 
Nobody's doing anything for you. So that's always nice. Yeah, I like that. Though. Um, Which it can be hard. That can be the hard thing about watching his movies at home, though, is that like it, the beginning can seem slow because you're like, oh, what's going on? Because you're not in a big theater, so you're not like overwhelmed by what's going on. You're instead, you can kind of be like, oh, I'm just, this is a little disorienting and slow, it's seeming. Uh, so that's how The Insider kind of starts. Yeah. A lot of things moving, and you're like, what's this, what's this? Uh, talk about a horrific female character. I feel bad for the actress. I don't know if the actress is good or not, because, I mean, the things that she was given to do were just awful. Yeah. She basically existed just to cry and throw fits and be a, an emotional wreck. Wow. Yeah. Like the complete opposite. So at the beginning, movie. Russell Crowe's character gets fired from his tobacco company. He goes home and tells his wife. But she loses it. She loses it immediately in the driveway. She's like, what about our insurance? What about our kids? What about this house? They live in like a fucking mansion in Kentucky. He's like high up in big tobacco. So yeah. they're like loaded. High up, big tobacco, um, and up to his knees literally, death. all that he told her was that he got fired, and then she just breaks down, says all those things, and he's like, "Um, yeah, they signed like an agreement. What are those called? Uh, uh, an NDA, non-disclosure. No, 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 no. Or severance. Yes. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I signed a severance package. We're I'm making like two thirds salary, and we still have benefits. So chill, please. And she, and then he just like gets in his car and drives away, and it's like, okay, we're off to a good start. Might as well flick a cigarette, <laughs> and then a house blows up. Yeah, and then like there's another scene. I don't know. Once, so they start like threatening him and shit. You know, they don't want him to leak any info. Heard you wanted to tell us. That's basically the premise of the whole movie. So he's. Trying to not get fucking killed. He's paranoid. He's being scared. The other guy's trying to get everybody to publish the thing. But he did sign an NDA. So So that's the workaround. That's the tricky part. So he's like trying to bide time until this report can get out. And then he'll be safe once it's out and the info's there. Then he'll basically be protected by being a public figure. Yeah, because then he can't get assassinated. Yeah, so the movie's set in like the downtime. Oh, when everything's like really scary. Yeah, and them setting it up to begin with like... Al Pacino's character has to, like, talk him into it and, like, recruit him into it and stuff. And then, like, he tries to get the FBI involved, but the FBI is tied with big tobacco. So they, like, kind of want to fuck this guy over. Wow. So it's some interesting stuff. but And there's, like, intense moments, but it doesn't play like a thriller. It kind of just plays like a drama. But yeah. there's, like, thriller parts to it, and those are the best parts. Like, but oh, then... did that? But then after X amount of time, that just drops off because they get the thing filmed. And then it kind of just becomes about the reporter guys for like the last hour. Oh, and then also his wife just leaves him. So this is (laughs) that abruptly. I bet. Yeah. She just kind of walks downstairs and she's like, I'm done. I can't do it. Even though we're still making so much money. Well, they weren't anymore at that point. But yeah, she just bails on him. There was some other dumb conflict where she freaked out about something. Oh, they were, like, given security. She freaked out about that. Uh, he just wanted to wash his hands in the sink. Is that, like, a metaphor? Yeah, it was one of those things. But the thing is, all their interactions were just negative, toxic fights that that one didn't have any impact. It was just another... That one was just weird because it's like, oh, you guys are acting how you normally act towards each other because all you've ever done is cry to him and, you know, scold yeah, him for something. Like, yeah. So now you just did it. 
in a passive-aggressive way for no reason because nothing has been passive-aggressive the whole time. So you just had some weird fight about soap. And it was just like, dumb. It just didn't work. The only artful fight they had, but it goes unnoticed. Right. Yeah, it was like supposed to say something about their marriage, but their marriage was clearly in shambles the entire time. Like, they didn't reveal anything. So it was weird. Uh, So she divorces him, which I was like, thank God, get this character out of the fucking movie. And that's what they did. Now, it was based on a real guy, so all this happened, but I assume that the wife was a little more supportive at some points of it. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm going to give I'm going to give that lady some credit. Yeah, she was a mother to children. I'm sure she tried a little bit. Oh, 100%. Um and then yeah, that's really it though. It just kind of it's just like it just kind of falls off. It goes from like having a little thriller vibe and then it just goes into a drama about the TV guys and then they like we're going to get it on the air. We're not going to get it on the air. Blah blah blah. Bullshit back and forth. You know, bureaucratic nonsense and it's like, well that's not Nearly as entertaining as a guy getting death threats. So, like, the tone shifts off, and it's like, oh, there's still 40 minutes left, and now it's just, like, a TV behind-the-scenes drama. So, kind of cool to see, like, a movie be that versatile, but not that interested in the politics of CBS news. Yeah. You know? If you find yourself pausing it to see how much is left. Well, and then the big happy ending is... (laughs) It aired. The full version, finally. And it's just like, oh, big victory. But the other guy's life is still totally ruined. Yeah, you don't... Yeah, Like, he, they don't even go back to Russell Crowe that much. And he was excellent. I'll give him that. I get why he is and was such a big deal. Pacino was really good, too. Um, yeah. I think that that's really all I have. There's a speech... That Al Pacino gives Russell Crowe when he's like, so they were trying to like tarnish his name to discredit him. And it was like bullshit stuff. Though like he got a speeding ticket, you know, oh, like unpaid parking tickets. Oh, yeah. Like some dumb thing like that. And then Al Pacino goes on this rant. He's like, they will search through all of your things. Anything you've ever said, anything you've ever done. And I was like, all we need to do is have this be a meme and just have it be like people on Twitter dot dot. And then just have Al Pacino do that whole rant. Because that's just how it, everything is now. Like, this guy was outing Big Tobacco and got that speech. Now it's just you say something somebody doesn't like. Yep, and there you go. just watch that video. That and check. it's, they will search through all your history. <laughs> they will tear you down. Like, it is just. means nothing. It was hilarious. Um, so I loved that. But I think that's really it. Like, another thing with, like, decent moments, but whatever. Uh, so then we move to number seven. I got Manhunter. Michael Manhunter. So this was the first time we see Hannibal Lecter on screen by anybody. So Which that's cool. interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, Brian Cox of Succession He's and many other things. Did a good job. Now this movie, another movie with a great, incredible synth score, as many of his movies do. Gotta love that. Yeah, it's really good. Now, we're talking really well-composed shots and lighting and all this shit. This movie is gorgeous. It is, like, almost purely an art film. There's hardly anyone talking. Uh, One of the earliest movies to show, like, the psychology of a detective and a killer. Ah. 
Um, so like a lot of modern detective shows are basically just ripoffs of Manhunter. A lot of modern movies are ripoffs of Manhunter. A lot of dialogue of two cops in the car and stuff like that. Mm. Driving from place to place. No, that's been a thing. Again, it's more about the psychology of a detective and like a killer. Not at all what the, you said. The cat and mouse kind of thing. Yeah, things like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, you know, detectives are troubled men as well. Their lives are very difficult. They deal with gruesome things, things of that nature. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. Two it's not two guys eating donuts. No, that's not what Manhunter is about. Two sides of the same coin. Uh, <laughs> no. No, they're not two sides of the same coin. One guy's a psychopathic murderer and one guy's a hero. Ah, uh, troubled man. Hero. Different reasons. Anyway, okay. I, I guess you've never watched anything. Again, uh, so it's not like Spider-Man or, or... I haven't seen that one. It's not like the Green Lantern either. Anyway. That one blue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, blue. <laughs> Did not do that on purpose. Anyway. It's not the most entertaining thing throughout. It's definitely, like, lacking some stuff. Again, cool with, like, the silent-y thing. It's very artful, but it's not something you would just, like, want to watch all the time. It's also a little slower, a little weirdly paced. Um, the killer is creepy as hell. Uh, he, like, kidnaps his blind chick. That's brutal. Yeah, because it, like, shows him as a killer, and then, like, he, like, works at this place as, like, a janitor, and then he, like, keeps interacting with this blind girl, and then he, like, starts dating her, because she can't tell that he's a creepy motherfucker, and then he's, like, about to kill her, and it turns into a whole thing. Uh, True wow. Detective is very similar. Like, True Detective basically ripped this movie off. Like, the ending is very similar, the way the killer goes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about when you started talking about that, that, that show. Yeah. So that stuff's kind of similar. Again, like, he just throws in a sex scene at the beginning, like, for no reason. Like, before the... So the detective's, like, retired because of the trauma of Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the guy who caught Hannibal Lecter. That's why they call him back to get this new killer, because, like, you're the best, because he's the craziest. Yeah. Um. And, right, he's like, yeah, I'll do it. But, like, first I gotta fuck my wife. Which is like, I guess that's probably what you would do, you know, that's fair. It would make more sense if he was getting in a spaceship. But it's it's just like, it doesn't, yeah, like, it just doesn't really, like, fit the moment or the movie at all. So, I find it funny, though. I'm not like, oh my god, can you believe this exploitation? No, I think it's hilarious, but it's like, we could have cut it out. We don't need it, you know. It doesn't add anything to the movie at all. Maybe they put it back in because they needed a few minutes. But yeah, I don't know. There's just not a lot. So like again, it it does explore like interesting things, but there's not a lot. Of, again, there's not a lot of like dialogue. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's like the Silence of the Lambs is better. I'm not a big Silence of the Lambs guy. I don't think it's like this landmark masterpiece that it gets the credit for. Uh, but it it's better. And you know, Anthony Hopkins is a better Hannibal actor. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, that performance is one of the best you've ever seen. So it's just like, what can you say? But Brian Cox was good and, like, you know, all that. Also, Silence of the Lambs is just, like, a better story in this book series. Like, just clearly, like, you know. Yeah, so. It's the meteor part. 
Right. And all but like this was a big springboard for a lot of things and it's like influential. So that's what it's higher up on the list for that reason, but yeah. So that's the back half. It's really like a three tier thing, but that's the end of like the lower tier anyway. Um because number six, we're at Last of the Mohicans. All right. So I wasn't very excited for this movie because it's like, oh, Native Americans, colonial things. That sounds boring. Very Another movie that had like award things, at least for actors and costumes or something. I don't know if Michael Mann got a nomination. A lot of the guys don't get the noms they deserve, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's usually how it goes. It's like stuff like this, reviewing it after the fact. Yeah. Well, yeah, Michael Mann especially. He's got a couple that, like, had to age well. Like, Manhunter is better received now than it was at the time, uh, as is the case with other movies we'll mention. Uh, They could if they're actually updated, but it's more of just, like... Capturing it when it released. I don't know, just more... it's, It's about, like, if a journalist will revisit a movie and write an article about it later, and then maybe that'll cause somebody else to do the same thing, and then... Things like that'll happen. It's like, oh, look, it's good now. Yeah, and then, yeah, it'll just cause more critics to reevaluate it, and then, yeah, you just kind of, kind of gets a buzz from there. Cool. Uh, but last of the Mohicans, so Daniel Day Lewis, so I mean, what it, yeah, just guarantees greatness, and he was fucking phenomenal. And this movie is not the period piece slog that I thought it would be. It is a period piece, but it is just people running in the woods killing each other for like two straight hours there's like three or four stationary scenes where they have the weird little old-timey drama get to your post and run to this and blah 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 and somebody backstabs some guy because he's a little british slime bag in the 1700s you rotten scum yeah and they all just make dumb decisions and backstab each other for like two gold coins or whatever dumb shit happens but the rest is just murder ball yeah well so Basically, what happens is they need to transport this British chick from, like, their army base to this place or vice versa or whatever because the people that were transporting them got slaughtered by these, like, natives that are, like, super nasty. Nice. Um, So Daniel Day-Lewis and his, like, half-brother and dad. um, Three people, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not his half brother dad. No. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> uh they transport the girl for the British in exchange for something, blah blah blah. Steak, I don't know. But then that's the that's basically the plot of the movie. Cool. Um Are there muskets? It's it's similar to like the Revenant, to be honest. It's traveling through a thing. It's not set in winter, but you know. Good. Don't act like that. No, we're not going to bash The Revenant here. No, I, just, I love The Revenant. That the winter doesn't make The Revenant a good movie. Well, yeah, that's what makes the that's what the Revenant's about. But yeah, I get your point. I get your point. Thank you. Um, but yeah, this movie's just a lot of fun. It sounds to like be it. honest. I I I don't really like things set in olden times, mm. whether that be medieval period. through. The the fifties probably. I'm not really into anything said even before that. Yeah, I like medieval stuff, but there's not a lot of good stuff like that. Mm, yeah, I'm That's not. Such a bummer. Right. 
Uh, but this movie's good. It's just like an action movie. Like yeah. the pacing of it is incredible. The sh- again, the shots are incredible. Like tracking shots through the woods, just unbelievable battle and action sequences that are like long and sustained as hell. They look again. They look real as hell. Seems like he used like accurate things, makeup, language. Like oh, yeah, he yeah. did it right. You know what? This is what I'm trying to say. Like across the board, did all the right things you would need for a story like this to not be incredibly either dull or like terribly done, seemingly very inaccurate. Like none of that. I believe everything that happens in it. Obviously. I don't even think it's a true story. I don't really know. Probably not. A lot of those aren't. Right. But regardless, yeah, it actually so. might be a true story. I don't know. But there's fabricated stuff in it regardless. Yeah, like it's a movie. Yeah. You know, he yeah. He likes to do stuff like that. Anyway. So it's a good starting point, like a true little thing and then Yeah, it's good. I don't have any really specific notes, you know, the but it's just brutal. Like a lot of just graphic shit. Like it is a violent epic awesome movie yeah and uh there was not a happy ending well, <laughs> it would seem it would seem out of place there is not a happy ending at all yeah i mean not many back then well, yeah i mean none of these have happy endings though you know seems like that seems like a theme <laughs> Yeah, except Ali, technically. Yeah, I was going to say the only happy ending seemed to suck. So. <laughs> yeah, and the insiders wanted to be happy, but it's like, yeah, this guy's life got torn apart, but at least we got the thing on TV. Yeah, everyone knows like, now. It, it's literally like Al Pacino walking out, of, walking out of the building and just putting his sunglasses on, like, fuck yeah, we did it. <laughs> it's just like, ah, uh, okay. Anyway. Yeah, he's just like, you're welcome. Number least. five. Public Enemies. Now, five and six could have been swapped. I don't really know. I didn't rewatch Public Enemies, but I saw it in theaters. I was blown away when I saw it in theaters. came out in 2009. And it is just a gritty-ass crime drama about John Dillinger and, you know, loosely other gangsters from the time. Tommy Guns and whatnot. Yeah. Chicago shit. Um... I remember, so at the time, I remember walking out of the theater and being like, I've never seen anything like that before. Because yeah. it was just the bleakest fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, like, incredibly well shot. You know, all the same shit. Like, a technical marvel, you yeah, know? Well crafted. Yeah. The f- sequence, like, any action sequence is always so well done that, like, it seems like they just did it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem acted. Um, like, yeah. Johnny Depp plays John Dillinger. Great performance. Christian Bale plays the cop fighting him down. I mean, fucking incredible. Yeah. Set him up. Yeah. I mean, it's just really good. Same type of shit. Accurate war, you know, wardrobes, cars, dressed to the nines. Digging the ties. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another big budget one. So he, he went big. There's a lot of just crazy shit in it. And it is just gray. It's a yeah. very gray movie. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember that. Um, but I just remember thinking, like, I'd never seen such a, like, weirdly, like, artfully violent thing in the way that it is because it is just so bleak. Yeah. But I don't mean that in a bad way. I do like it. I'm going to watch it again. I got it for 250 total, including big. shipping. So we got that on Blu-ray. I'm going to put that on soon. If 
I have a reevaluation. I'll update everybody. <laughs> there we go. Uh, that brings us to number four, Thief, his first movie. All right. James Caan, your boy Jim Belushi. Yep, that's my favorite Jesus. one. Uh, set in Chicago, uses Chicago beautifully, like clearly a hometown guy. He did all this stuff. He said that what got him into film was just seeing like the sh- dark Chicago streets and like water reflecting off the lights and stuff. Like in movies or in person? Just in person. Awesome. Like bridges and underpasses and alleyways and like all the lighting and like night stuff. That's like just what got him into it. Like because everything is pretty cinematic looking here. Yes, you know? very much so. That's why if you watch my uh, Wolfax Home Invasion video on the RFAT YouTube channel, you can see my similar influence. It is really awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't watch it. <laughs> I mean, you won't. What's the difference? They won't watch it. Good. Uh, <laughs> For the Easter egg I put in it. Thief. Now the here's the thing. So he's an ex-con. Who's a thief? He robs people. He only wants money or bonds or jewels or whatever. He's got like a strict code. He owns like a bunch of businesses now. He turned his life around. He has this like mood board of things that he wants to acquire. Oh. And he like manifests all his goals. Gets involved with the wrong people. Now here... His courtship of the woman is, like, terrible, but it is probably what a guy who spent 10 years in prison would do, and especially given the time frame. So I give Thief a little bit more of a pass, uh, but another terrible relationship, I gotta say. Yeah, like, maybe not a terrible portrayal, it's just a terrible relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this movie also is, this is all about the shots. It is a beautifully shot movie. The Tangerine Dream score, it's all gnarly synths. Now, he, I saw an interview, he wanted to do blues because it was Chicago, and he's like, well, I don't want to, I didn't want it to be, like, just, like, a regional film. Oh, yeah. And, like, a super synthy score, it does make it, like, more of an art film. If it had a blues film, it would be more gritty, but it would be more forgettable, I think. Yeah. yeah. The synth is super explosive. Now, he owns the Green Mill in the movie. I don't know if at the time... It was just like in a lull. I don't know if the Green Mill is just not as famous as I think it maybe is. And so it was just believable that this guy could just own the Green Mill. Or if I don't know if he was just like, fuck it, let's just have this guy own the Green Mill. Do you think it's weird that they picked a real place to have this guy own? I think it's weird that they picked that place because it's like a legendary bar. Maybe because instead of doing the blues soundtrack, it's like, here's a real Chicago shout out. Yeah, but that's a jazz thing anyway it's not a blues bar that would be like kingston mines it's not about the same music it's just like a chicago nod well the whole movie is in chicago though yeah so it would be i don't i'm saying like that is such a how why would this guy own that famous of a bar he's like an ex-con yeah he acquired all of his businesses after he got out of prison like he had to build a new life and he got it all through thievery yeah so what I'm saying is, like, how would he end up buying that bar? That's pretty crazy. It would require a lot of money is what I'm saying, like that's, you would think. That's why maybe it's just a testament to his skills. Like I said, I'm no, because he's, it's about him. Like, like, he lives, like, a low-key life as, like, a modest businessman. Yeah, so he's like, like, oh, I just have a little bar and a little car dealership and a, and a humble a life. Bar. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I drive a pretty nice car, but, like, you know what I mean? I get you now. So that's what's weird. Uh, also, what's cool is how though they blow it up. 
at the end. So oh. pretty sick. It was cool to see that happen. So I think that that also might have just been the reason why, just so he could like blow it up. So that was cool to see, but also weird. Uh, Jim Belushi, look, he's not that bad of an actor. He was in Twin Peaks The Return, but he's just the worst. He's so not funny. Oh, yeah. But, you know, if we have to deal with Jim to have gotten John, so be it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Another thing, like, accurate crime portrayal we've talked about. It literally shows how to crack a safe and, like, what is happening when you crack a safe. Every movie I've seen guys crack a safe, I don't know what they're actually doing. They're just drilling a hole in the safe, and I'm supposed to just assume that that's all you got to do. No, they, like, show you what do what they're actually doing when they're doing that. Like, it goes through the layers of the safe and, like, explains all the shit. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, this is incredible. Like, there's a camera shot where it, like, goes from a super wide angle and it zooms, like, through the drilled hole and, like, show. It's awesome. You see, like, the different turning things? And stuff? Yeah. Awesome. And, like, same thing. So he, like, consulted with criminals and cops, like Dennis Farina who is an actor, but he used to be, like, a Chicago detective. Uh, we'll get to with Heat. He was in Heat, I believe, but also a consultant on that. It's, like, based on a real cop and detective in Chicago and, like, a real like story. Incidents, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just incredible shots to incredible music, a lot of night shit, driving shit. Uh, dry, like, the movie Drive kind of ripped a lot from thief similar characters arcs a lot of the same things happen to be honest like the girl somehow gets found out about the guy goes after the girl like it's like a, literally a lot of the same things wow. um and it also is interesting to watch like chicago in the 80s because like they meet up in a spot that would be like a spot where criminals would meet up but now it's like a luxury like a luxury location that's funny. You know? Yeah. So it's just weird to watch that evolution. A little time capsule. Yeah. Um, so then, let's... Ooh, where is my page? Got it. Um, so that moves us to number three, Collateral. I saw this in theaters, too, somehow. I was nine. Nice. I don't know. We really needed... Everybody wanted to see Collateral. Your parents are rad. Dude, it was Collateral. Yeah, I mean... Tom Cruise against type. He plays an assassin. He has white hair for seemingly no reason other than it looks great. And it does look great. So I don't blame him. Uh, Jamie Foxx just crushing it. Jamie Foxx works with Michael Mann quite a bit. He was in Ali. Yeah. He was in this. He was in Miami Vice. Miami Vice. Oh, we'll get there. And uh, pretty simple. He's like, it. movie takes place in one night in L.A. He's like, Drive me to this place. Kills a guy. He's like, yeah, I fucking kill guys. You're driving me to kill all these guys tonight. Basically, there was a uh, trial going to happen. He needed to knock off all the witnesses. Wow. Now, would anybody actually have this happen in one night? Maybe, like Walter White style when they did all the prison stabbings at once. Mm -hmm. But also, you'd probably kill the witnesses spread out over time. Maybe they didn't have time. Maybe there was a bunch of failed attempts. Yeah, like who knows? But still. Sounds very Santa Clausy to do it all in one night. Yeah, right. Very convenient that this would happen. Yeah, you know. Um, but also, who knows? Maybe this is how assassinations go down. Probably all the lights were green for him. Then, <laughs> well, yeah. Apparently, there's a lot of continuity errors with like the city. So this is set in L.A., so I don't know L.A. Or it would be like, oh, that's not there. 
Well, it's just that like they get from like one place to another place in an amount of time that is impossible. Like even with no traffic in some cases, but also there just like never is no traffic. So that's also a flaw. It's just that like a lot of the time they're just driving with not a lot of traffic. Yeah. Now it is night again. I don't know, but I don't know how LA works. But that is a common complaint for this movie. But I don't know. It seems fine to me. Yeah. Um. Gotta be on the inside. Not a lot to say though. I don't know. The movie's really memorable for things that I don't want to spoil. Ah, nice. Very it's like wrapped around in certain. Very, very there's like quotes that keep. There's callbacks in the movie that are really clever. Um, and they just have good dialogues together. Basically, as they're driving, like, they kind of bond and have, like, a weird thing. Because cool. Tom Cruise's character, I mean, he's a killer, so, you know, he's naturally very charming. That's just, like, a thing that goes with it. He's, yeah, he's a, a sociopath. Too, yeah. yeah. Um, and he kind of helps him with his life in a weird way. Yes. Like, the scene, the thing is almost good for Jamie Foxx. Like, it's traumatic, but it, like... It changes like, him. You should just like you know relax a little. Like no, it's the life. it's the opposite. Yeah, but it's the opposite. It's that he's like very worried. So he's like driving a cab because it's like a safe thing. But he like talks about his dreams and all this stuff. Uh, and he's got a girl and blah blah blah. And it's it's good. It ties a lot in. This movie like really nails like a relationship thing, and it has a good balanced story. And there's a lot going on that I really like. I really like this movie a lot. We're in elite territory here. Like, starting at Mohicans, it's like I would watch all of these movies tomorrow again. Like, the top, the whole top six is like... Run it, run it, run it. Yeah, like, we're talking B plus and up. I want to see Tom Cruise. It's it's a really good movie, and it he sounds like it. crushes it. The fact that it. you're like, I'm going to be careful how much I say about this movie, that's what I'm, I'm in, so... Yeah. Yeah. And, like, there's good cameos in it, too. Like, I don't want to spoil any of it, to be honest. It's a movie you got to watch. Everybody should watch Cleto. Because that's the general premise. That's all you really need to know. Because that's... Awesome. That re- it, the plot of it really is that simple. There's not a whole lot of extra shit going on. So it's kind of... It's similar to... It reminds me of Phone Booth. Have you ever seen Phone Booth? I have seen Phone Booth. With Colin Farrell? Who, Colin Farrell. Who we'll definitely be talking about. Yeah. Um, Even after the show. Yeah. It's like... A, think of it as, like, a broader, more expanded... Obviously, just all around better version of that. Yeah, a mobile phone booth, right? So, like, and you know, instead of yeah, just like, well, it's just like point. it's just like here's the movie, go, and then oh, you yeah. then you're just watching all this shit take place. Now it's like, like yeah, n- there's no other plot point. This is it. Like the story is uncovered in five minutes. Now you're just watching it unfold. Yeah, you know, so it's just fu- it's just a fun ride. Movies and that can do literally, because they're just driving all over. Yeah, that's like my favorite kind. What do you call that kind of movie? What's like that specifically? Like, what, is that a thriller? Always. Yes. Well, the, yeah. This movie, I would say, is an action thriller. And then, like, Phone Booth, also maybe not action thriller. Just a, a thriller. Of, yeah, because it's not a lot of moving. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, I love movies like that. I just want to say that. Yeah, and I mean, Michael Mann again. Great night shots. Always great car stuff. Great gun stuff. Like he's the best. All that. Like. Tom Cruise is a psychopath anyway who, like, only makes movies to do crazy training stunts. You're a real jerk. So, like, his tactical skills for this movie were unbelievable. Awesome. He just like, does a lot of his own stunts, right? Like, yes, he does. That's what I just said. I know. That's what I'm, st- I'm agreeing. I'm, I'm saying. You said he doesn't do a lot of his own stunts. No, I may have mumbled. I didn't. I, I, oh. I was in the affirmative. Well, yes, he yeah. does. 
Because I remember just seeing, like, you know, behind the scenes of Mission Impossible stuff. Yeah, yeah. He sprints on. Yeah, he does all of it. He's wild. Yeah. And, like, if he ever has to learn a thing, like, he learned how to fly a plane. He learned how to play pool. He does all that shit. Awesome. He's a psycho. Um, And, you know, Jamie Foxx is just fucking excellent. Yeah. Uh, I think this was, like, a big movie for him. It may have been what got him Ray. He may have already done Ray. I think they might have both came out in the same year, and that's what it was. And it was, like... Now Jamie Foxx is a monster star. No, yeah. never mind. That's wrong. But I think this might have been this might have been one of the movies that really brought him up as a dramatic guy. Anyway, he crushed it. Yeah, he's awesome. So shout out to both of those guys. We're gonna move on. Number two, not what you would think I'm gonna say, but it's Heat. Whoa. A lot of people would put it at one. Not me. Anyway. Heat, what can I say? I mean, it's three fucking hours long and it seems like it's too long, but, like, what would you cut? Nothing. Uh, there's really nothing that uh, you could take out of it. It's Pacino. It's De Niro. They all need I mean, out. to me, I don't see how there's even a debate. It's like, I get it. Everybody likes The Godfather. <laughs> we can stop making The Godfather. But uh, give, me a, give me more Pacino where it's blowing you away. What, Dog Day Afternoon? Yeah. Yeah, he was good. But I mean, like, the De Niro hitters that go on for just decades to come. Mm-hmm. And Pacino just becomes a hack. And he's terrible in this movie, but relentlessly entertaining. So it's okay. Yeah. But he's horrible. <laughs> but, like, in the best way a good actor could ever be terrible. So, you know, it's still good. But yeah. he is just so over the top, blown out. Now. I also was, I heard on a Rewatchables podcast that the original storyline had him like heavily addicted to coke and they cut out the like showing that part. So it's just implied that he's a cokehead, um, which he acts like a cokehead. But you know, if there could have just been like a sniff yeah, at the beginning, just like a bump, give me one bump in one scene that implies he does it all the time. Like yeah. right before he leaves the bathroom. Thing, yeah. yeah. Um, could have used that. I think that would have made it go a long way. But so Heat responsible basically for all the modern heist scenes. So again, another time Michael Mann just does something that changes everything. Really paving ways. The, basically, the heist scene in this movie is the Dark Knight heist scene to begin with. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess it just is this also and then results in the heist scene to open grand theft auto 5 awesome these guys plow through an entire fucking city block and it's like 20 minutes of gun combat just like three dudes against the cops that's the best it is technically spectacular another thing they had crazy like technical ops training they all knew how to like reload assault rifles and like handle them and all that shit and it was all so everything taken care of everything looked incredible amazing um another and then also the opening heist is like they rob an armored truck they pretty much rip that off in the town but yeah well they've pretty much ripped off things from heat any movie that has a heist in little just yeah uh or gigantically like heists it pretty much changed movie heists. Yeah. Forever. What are you going to do? Michael yeah. Mann. You can't, un- you can't undo it. He's yeah. the best at it. But anyway, so the premise of Heat, like I said, it revolves around like a Chicago cop and 
villain thing. So basically, this guy was a robber. Cop knew it. He was like, stop, or you're going to get fucking killed before you get arrested. Or arrested. And he's like, you try to arrest me, I'll kill you. He's like, well, I'll fucking kill you first. Like, don't think that we're friends. But so what happened was they met up and had coffee and, like, had that conversation face-to-face. He's like, I'm after you. He's like, I know. This is what I do. And he's like, well, this is what I do. Wow. And he's like, well, I won't hesitate. And he's like, well, neither will I. And they're like, okay. Which one of us is getting the And tab? so what the, what the movie shows is Al Pacino's life is miserable and, like, rough because um, he's, like, married and has a kid, but they have a lot of problems because he's gone. He's a fucking, like, homicide detective or whatever. So, so it's, like, on the job, yeah. yeah, and he's, like, high up. So it's, yeah, it's a brutal thing and all that, and he, like, doesn't have a lot of money. And then, like, De Niro has, like, a super nice place, super nice car, super nice clothes, goes out to nice dinners, just has, like, a great life. And so it shows the contrast to, like, their yeah. two lives. Like, they're basic. Crime pays, you know? Yeah, pretty much. Right. Like, oh, look, I'm so passionately trying to get you. Yeah, and then they have the talk, and they find out, like, oh, we're basically the same guy. Like, we just went down two different paths. Right? But then, like, yeah, they there are also shots that, like, juxtapose their lives after certain moments. And it's, like, one guy's is like, oh, this is rough. And then the other guy's, like, sipping a drink, yeah, like, having yeah, a good time. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of, yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's just really good stuff, like... I don't know. The cops are tailing them. They they they're able to get a tail on them in a clever way, but then, like the criminals outsmart the cops in a way that you don't see coming. Oh, like like counter tail. Yes, exactly. Oh. And they don't reveal it on screen, like verbally, until it just happens. Like again, he's really good at that. He's like. They don't explain what's gonna happen. You don't really. You like never know what's going, coming I'm next. About to do a barrel roll. Exactly. Um, Tom Sizemore not playing a crazy guy is weird because he's a fucking crazy guy. Yeah. So that was interesting. Although he does use a little girl as a human shield during the heist, so that's a little. Uh, that's probably very. That's crazy. a little crazy. Yeah. That's yeah, but there's a guy named there's a character named Wayne Grow who's a literally a serial killer is one of the subplots. Wow. Of Heat. Literally a serial killer. Yeah, he like murders hookers. Wow. Yeah. And it's just like in like a news crawler. It's like, oh, local hooker dead. And like we know who killed him or her. No, they show him murder a hooker once. And then it's revealed via the police finding the body that it's a thing. So the, oh, it's like a, yeah. yeah. Oh. So the when I said this was based off of a TV movie, that TV movie, which similar to Twin Peaks, they made as a it's like a long pilot that they made a movie if it didn't get picked up. Twin Peaks got picked up. This one didn't. So it just aired as a TV movie. Yeah, they just used the long so, a movie. Correct. So this movie has a lot of those extra plot lines, is my guess. Yeah, because it's trying to branch out. Yeah, like it would into a series. So it has a lot of little extra things like that. That never really get but, tied up. Well, the Wayne Girl one, it is important that the serial killer thing is a thing. Because Robert De Niro's character... Spends the whole movie talking about, like, his code, and that's why he's a successful criminal. But he breaks his code to get his revenge on this Wayne Grow guy. And it's basically like, well, this guy's such a shitty guy that it's worth breaking the code to kill this guy because he deserves to die. Yeah. Cool. That's usually what happens with kind of... Um, But also, like, the relationship thing, terrible. The one with De Niro. Literally... (laughs) 
De Niro is the fucking best, and like, because <laughs> the thing is, like, he helps with scripts and stuff, and he ad libs stuff, and I don't know if this is one of those moments, but it's just like this is such a De Niro moment. The way he meets his girl in the movie is he's just like at a diner. And she's like, what are you reading? She recognized him from the bookstore, she reveals, after this interaction. But she's just like, what? she just like asks him a couple questions. She's like, oh, what are you reading? What's that? Blah, blah, blah. Like, real quick. And he just looks at her and he's like, lady, why do you care who I am or what I do and what I'm reading? Like, you know what I mean? Like, shit like that. And uh, next, he's railing her in a couple hours. And it's just like, De Niro's the fucking man. Yeah, He's, like, about to fucking shoot a woman in the face in a cafe for asking questions. Um, so powerful. But, yeah, she, like, f- I mean, he literally, ma- they massacre, like, 30 cops after this heist in the middle of the city. And then he convinces her, like, no, nah, I'm not that bad of a guy. And like, they have, like, a massacre. Wow. Um, also, a little bad timing thing, like. Al Pacino's, like, sprinting, like, two miles, and they just have to walk from, like, the door to the car, and they tried to make it, like, a timing thing, yeah. but it it's way too long of, like, running versus, like, they could have just got in the car already. Yeah, it's like them, like, okay, you got your keys, your wallet. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like, it's not actually simultaneous feeling at all. If that's the worst part, I would say. Oh, and Pacino just like when he picks up that he, girl as a human shield, Pacino just shoots the fucking guy. Wow. He just like squares up and just goes for it, which would never happen. And then he just like puts the gun down and he's like, "Yeah, where where'd they go?" Yeah. <laughs> like, because well, his hands started shaking. It, it was the greatest shot like in the history of marksmanship. Yeah. And he probably still should have gotten trouble for that shit. Oh yeah. It, it was insane. Not that important. Reckless endangerment. Um, but like all the side plots in this movie, it almost reminds me of like Mulholland Drive, which was a similar thing. It was also originally going to be a television show that was then rewritten into a movie, so slightly different. But um, same thing, like those those side plots, and like everybody's got a family and all this. Yeah, but so many characters. That's what makes this movie different and special, because. Why else would I be rooting for these guys? Ah. It shows that, like, they're people, too, and then blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, it really gets you in there. Yeah, because then also showing Al Pacino's home life, he's, like, a fucking mess and an asshole. And it's like, well, his life is fucking horrible, too. Like, why would I be rooting for this guy to catch them? Yeah. You know, and blah, blah. It's, it just, like, shows the back and forth and, like, the nuances of each side and all that. Yeah, how it's, like, perspective-based. And, like, the scene when they're in the diner together having the talk, finally. Yeah. Just incredible. Sounds great. It's just incredible. And then, like, Danny Trejo's in it. All the uh, There's a million people pop up, and you're like, holy shit, he's in here, he's in here, he's in here. Some real hitters. Real hitters. I mean, you can't even begin. Wouldn't even try. Can't top that. <sighs> yeah. Except with? Except with Miami Vice. Whoa. Miami Vice is number one. Dang. I think that's all my heat stuff. I don't know. You can't. I'm. Here's the thing. Look. Heat's a good movie. It's three hours. It doesn't touch Miami Vice. Miami Vice is a fucking masterpiece. Heat is also a fucking excellent movie. 
It's a ranking, so it doesn't mean that Heat is bad. Yeah. Here's the thing. Miami Vice, troubled production, never good. Usually that means the movie's going to suck. Um, that always means people assume it's going to suck. It hurts the box office. This movie bombed. The budget was insanely large. It kept going up because they, <laughs> they kept going over because they did just the craziest stunts. Yeah, I love how you can go over on a movie budget, like just buy an extra boat and hope you don't get in trouble. Yeah, right. Amazing. Um, a lot of helicopter shots, a lot of boat stuff. They were just going to other countries doing insane stuff. Line budget was. <laughs> a lot. Tons. They did that. They spent $40,000 on Colin Farrell's hair, probably. Oh, 100%. Other than that, I believe it's CGI. It probably makes it cost more. <laughs> no way it was that perfect. Look, it is... I I saw a thing... It's like a helmet, right? ...that described this movie as a $150 million art film. Wow. And uh, I agree. We want to talk about beautiful shots and, like carefully crafted and all this shit like it is just across the board just so well made every single thing is gorgeous yep yeah visually stunning they use like special tech to film at night and it's like a different kind of night the way this movie looks Mm -hmm. yeah you can still see but it feels like what miami would be like i wouldn't be able to i don't know but It, it also shows you like what drug trafficking looks like from the entire thing like starting from columbia all the way through to america like it shows the whole process these yeah. guys are flying planes driving boats driving cars blowing shit up guys are getting shot with 50 caliber sniper rifles Ooh. And it's as realistic as you could think it would be. Like, it seemed like that shit would fucking kill you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Normally a guy gets shot with a gun no matter what size the gun is. It happens the same way in every movie. No. That guy had a fucking house rifle. Yep. And he got shot from not... Like, that thing can shoot a couple miles. It was only a few hundred feet. A couple miles, yeah. Like, those <laughs> can go. He got hit from a couple hundred feet, and uh, it almost Overkill. it almost blew up his car. The bullet was so powerful. Yeah. And, yeah, just a lot of shit like that. A lot of realism again. Got a new sunroof. They talk in clever bits or just mumbled. Yeah, very. Gritty. (laughs) Gritty, drugged out, whatever. Uh They're just trying to fuck chicks and sell drugs for the police to recover. Yeah, like they don't actually (laughs) care. If they make like they're not selling drugs to make money or anything like that. They no, just, they they're they're to but they're just like cover. so undercover that they're like that about it. They probably have like a dime bag in their wallet. I mean, he fucking confronts the dude with a grenade, which is yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: I could go over every single scene in the movie and just talk about how much I love it because it they just nail it. Yeah, Colin Farrell looks fucking incredible. It's so funny how good he looks that mullet here's the thing i remember that he got he got clowned for it at the time it wasn't a good look at the time nothing about this movie did well at the time it was like panned not panned but yeah but wasn't it just trying to recreate the look of the original character yeah kind of but modernized it so that was the thing like we talked about at the beginning how miami vice was like the most 80s show ever well he wasn't trying to like make an 80s movie he was trying to make Miami Vice which what Miami Vice is is Miami in the present 
Yeah. So what he made was the most 2006 movie ever. Yeah, that's fair. And I there's probably a bunch like of that's why like that there's a bunch of like new metal style like rock music throughout it because it's about like what's current. Yeah. He was like, I don't want to make a bunch of homages to the series. He was just trying to revitalize it, which is like, oh, look at this guy thinking creatively about a reboot. It's like, thank fucking God, you know, yeah, like if we're going to keep doing reboots, please. Well, back then it wasn't even a thing, really. Oh, the reboot fest had not begun. No, oh, yeah. six. Not really. I mean, I'm sure that there there was a few, you know, but it was more of a niche thing. Yeah. But That's I'm pretty awesome. sure that this was like a big deal. So then like the troubled production made it an even bigger deal. And it's like, oh, my God, this movie's a fucking disaster. So like basically what happened was Jamie Foxx won an Oscar for Ray. But he was like already signed on for this. Already and then on. he kind of got egoed up and he was like, well, OK, I'm a f- I'm a big dog. You yeah. better fucking pay up. So I think they had to like change the money around. And Colin Farrell was, you know, a big tabloid guy. So, like, that was a big factor. Yeah. Like, and then, so, like, but Jamie Foxx was like, I don't want to do this, this, and this. And, like, I guess Michael Mann had some problems with people and stuff. And, again, like, it went over time, budget, all that shit. None of the things ever sounds good. And then I guess, like, shit was just, like, so crazy when they were in South America that Jamie Foxx was like, I'm not even doing this anymore. It's like, we're, we're filming, this movie ends with us in America, or it ends without me. Wow. And so they had to, like, change the ending. My guess is all they did was move the ending over. Like, they came up with a reason to move it over, and it's the same ending. I doubt that they completely changed the whole ending, but... Yeah, added an escape. But the report is, is that Michael Mann... Uh, said that the original ending would have been a lot better. So maybe it was pretty crazy. But I also really like the ending of this movie, so I'm not upset, but I am curious. I do think the director's cut is better. It adds like a couple scenes only, but they're they're good for the movie. Yeah, especially yeah, if you're going to not like if you're going to watch a movie that you missed the theatrical release for, I would skip straight to the director's cut probably. Yeah, I think you should watch both, though, regardless. Unless you know that they're minimal differences. I think you should watch the director's cut and then look up what the differences are. Yeah, or maybe just look them up first and see. No, because then the spoilers, just in case. <laughs> I Come didn't on. even not think of Come that. Come on. Yeah. But, I mean, look, what can what more can be said? Look, the score to the movie is great. The soundtrack to the movie is great. Every shot is incredible. The night stuff, the speed, the... I mean, Colin Farrell looks great. They're throwing bits at each other. See, here's the thing. They're not like buddy cops, which I think in Miami Vice, they're like buddies more. Yeah, like closer and more cheesy jokes. Yeah, whereas this movie, they're more like distant. They're just like so deep in their cover that they're just like only they only talk strategy or hardcore bits to be intense with villains. Yeah, just to fill <laughs> like the they team up when it's important at this point because they're just like so in it. They're just like such an intense mode. So it just would have been cooler to see those guys interact in more in like somewhat more of a fun way, I guess, because they're both so fucking good in it. Yeah. Like I fucking love Colin Farrell now. I know. Yeah. Like I like Colin Farrell in this movie might be like the peak of humanity. It's definitely a sight to see. That's for that sure. guy is just a big fuck machine. <laughs> yeah. Fuck factory. And I don't know what Michael Mann's thing is with appeasing to China, but 
Is that a thing? Well, so Black Hat takes place a lot in China. Uh, and there's like famous Chinese actors in it. And the f- the female lead in Miami Vice, that Asian chick, is from China. Nice. She's like a big star in China. Yeah, I've seen her in other movies. But there's like no reason for her to be Chinese in the movie. It's like that's cool, but she is out of place, I would say. Like her accent is incredibly thick. Yeah. And it's just a little, like they don't have any chemistry. The thing is like the they just like see here's the thing. That's where it flaws again. Like they just start fucking and I guess it's like technically they're both just international drug traffickers in like the middle of Miami and like Cuba and shit. So it's like I guess it probably would be that easy for them to just start fucking like as outlaws. Yeah, cuz they're both established but, as, like not henchmen, so. Yeah, but like the way that it happens is just it feels very inorganic because that it's supposed to be implied that they're clearly vibing but they have no vibe yeah but then once they're actually start fucking it's like yeah well they're both really hot so this works now yeah it's believable but now. N- yeah the lead up you guys didn't we, neither of you seemed interested yeah it, <laughs> it didn't seem like it was it seemed like but here's the thing you give down. me any shot of Colin Farrell just looking <laughs> I'll take it yeah I'll take it yeah, but anyway, big gun out at the finale. Look, all the side people, Justin Thoreau's in it, Dom from Entourage, and The Wire's in it. Yep. I mean, just hitters. Yeah. And Real sluggers. Yeah, the end thing is crazy. There's a whole Nazi thing at a trailer park that's crazy. Ship blows up. There's brutal violence, beautiful shots, like great music. It is just a masterpiece. Beautiful violence, it is brutal shots. The perfect action movie. Because it's, like, so beyond, and you don't even think of it as that, but, like, so much shit happens. But it's just so stylish and cool and, like, well-paced. and Yeah. We didn't finish it, but I'm... Well, I'm we're going to go right back to it. Immediately. I just had to... We had to start recording before I got a little, a little sleepy, just in case. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I'm talking... Had to have my manic energy for the list. For the man... Manathon? Yeah, because Michael Mann's the man, man. Manny the man, man. Yeah, he really is. I'm so sold. And then especially hearing all these, too. So definitely should have watched more of these beforehand. Any? You mean any of them? You should have watched any of them? I've technically seen some of these already. (laughs) Some of one of them? No, I've seen some of them. Oh, yeah, some, some of most of them, actually, over time. But never, like, you know, you know how it is. Like, oh, yeah, I've seen a movie, but then watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why like to do now because that sounds awesome yeah well we're gonna we're gonna get to that pretty soon i think that that's pretty much gonna wrap this up that has been the michael mann official episode and ranking once again i'm flipping through my pages here the michael manic episode to recap the michael mann ranking 11 to 1 we got black hat 11 ali 10 the keep 9 the insider 8 manhunter 7 less the mohican 6 Public Enemies 5, Thief at 4, uh, ooh, almost made it through the list. I tried to fight through the burp, couldn't do it. Uh, Thief at 4, Collateral 3, Heat at 2, and Miami Vice at 1, a masterpiece. Probably in my top, I'm going to say 10 to be safe, maybe top 5 favorite movies of all time. Just movies now. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think it is fucking amazing. I can see why. And I'm glad that it has been revisited, and a lot of people have been saying the same thing. 
And uh, I hope that only continues to happen, and I hope we're looking back. I like when movies have uh, flip, flo- flip phones as their primary cell phone, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't like the integration. There's a no- like, so the tech is very outdated in it is one of the things, but it's not used enough. Like They use it the amount that people used it back then, which wasn't that much. So yeah. it's not that bad. And also the whole thing is detective and international drug stuff. So it's like nobody really would have needed or used computers for any of this anyway. You want to be low tech. Yeah. So it's like these guys probably would have just had burner phones anyway, you know? Which is what I like. The, 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 the worst, I guess the only thing that's the least thing is like the cops don't have enough tech yeah. for what would be modern. You know what I mean? Like that's the most dated thing about it, but like. For when they're undercover and all the traffickers. Yeah, I, mean, I think it just ages pretty... It all aged decently. Yeah. I think it'll continue that way. Because regardless, it's like low forms of cell phone and video stuff. But that's still stuff we're all used to. So it's not like... Yeah, it's foreign like, stuff. Like it's just primitive. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all legit, but... And, yeah, he sent them on, like, fucking stings and shit. Like they were, like, watch. fake. No. Oh, like to go through like sting. They had like Colin sting? Farrell, Jamie Foxx, like with vests and guns, like on raids. Awesome. This movie is like as real as like stuff seen. Like you know what I mean? It seems like they're doing all this shit, and like just the sweeping shots across the ocean, like these helicopter shots, and they like craned it cranes down from the sky like to the boat. Oh yeah. It is just like holy fuck. I love it when they just give artists money and let them go do shit. Absolutely, or at least give them a blank check. The, yeah, those are my favorite scenarios, and this that is absolutely one of them. And this has been the Michael Mann episode of Requiem for a Tuesday. Hope you enjoyed it. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, you heard all the plugs at the beginning. Go back and listen to them again. I don't want to repeat them. Uh, for me and Georgie Richter, peace out. We'll be back next week. I don't have a topic yet. Maybe it'll be nothing. Who knows? We'll see. I don't care. (laughs) Works for me. Yeah. It'll be fun. Um, Just remember, I are fat. You are fat. We are fat. Calculator.